I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach Podcast. You're on once again with Chizo. Dr. Supercoach Podcast, powered by our partners at Code Sports. With me to talk all things round 20 and looking ahead to round 21, it is Pistol back on the podcast once again. How are you, mate? I'm feeling a lot better. It's pretty crazy. I think you, um, myself, and JB are just rotating who was sick every week. It's just been yep. absolutely mad, but feeling a lot better now. Thank you. And uh, fortunately, my Supercoach team is also performing to a considerably higher standard than it was at the beginning of the season. So um, there's smiles all around here. I- I'm going to tell you this, mate. And I'm going to have to step back from the microphone because I'm really excited about this one. It's the first week! I have 22 premiums on the park all year. <laughs> I'm so excited, mate. 22 premium players on the field. Oh, I've waited so long. I've had a completed side since literally the last buy round. And it's round 21. It's nearly two months since I've been able to use every player in my side that I brought in and paid money for. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I look, mate. I'm just excited to to remember what it feels like because um, it's literally been 12 months since I've been in this situation. Do you have trades left? Yeah, I got. Well, whoa, whoa, <laughs> I've whoa, got whoa, 17 whoa. trades whoa, whoa, left. Whoa, whoa, what are you whoa, talking whoa. about? <laughs> I don't have trades left. I have trade okay. left. Oh, well, There's a distinction. This one's better than none. I, I guess. And, and I tell you, I, I could have used it last week on Danny Rich, but. I didn't really want to burn it on, like, Stephen May. No. But if I wanted to do, like... So, I've got DPPs all over the field, and I feel like if I need to use a three-way swing, I can't do it without having a trade for some reason. For some reason in this game, it hasn't coded to realise 
that you can swap three people at the same time without having to do some fangdangled trade. So fangdangle, great word, yeah. I, I've I've had to hold on to that so that if I need to do a three-way swap to cover something, I'm still you able mean to the, do it. The fandangling. The fandangle dingle dangle. That's that's exactly <laughs> right, mate. Well, I burned my last trade uh, last week. I didn't need to actually. I just wanted to. I had 30k <laughs> and I had George Hewitt out and I thought and I should say I had uh, already 22 premiums playing um, because I had Taranto on my bench and I was thinking you know what I could just swing Himmelberg back and cover Hewitt or I can use my last trade and bring in Tom Stewart for the first time this season so I did that and no regrets I feel elated <laughs> to have Tom Stewart I wasn't super happy with Himmelberg's score, but that's fine. Um, it let me bench Crisp, who scored 60. Oh. Uh, so, again, some, I guess, tiny amount of points there, given Taranto scored 72. Um, however, you know, I still ended up with a demi- semi-decent score, which is, I think, three weeks in a row, Cheese. I'm up to 7K mm. overall. So, well hey. and truly overtaking you and JB now by yep. a couple hundred points even. Um I'm pretty happy with my end of season. I mean, to be fair, after like round five, my season's been pretty solid. It's just unfortunate yeah. my captaincy choices. Um, again, last week I went Oliver into Neil. Combined VC into C didn't crack 200. Um, my captaincy choices, as I don't own Laird, have been abysmal just every single week. And I've complained about it every single week. I don't really know what I'm doing wrong, given I'm mostly captaining like Steele and Oliver and Neil and just getting their low scores every round. But yeah, again, if I had the exact same scores as JB um, for my captaincy, I'd be in the top 2K at the moment. So the season's gone all right. Just my captaincies has held me back. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good 600 points behind others on the captaincy, which is an absurd number. Look, uh, the thing that I'm excited about is I'm chasing down JB. I'm only 74 points behind him. I, I narrowed it by another 30-odd points in the last round, and it's literally because I just whack the C on Rory Laird each week and don't have to think about it. And uh, <laughs> and shout to JD for his tweet that was like, no, you can't just put the C on Laird every week. You need to analyse the players properly and make an educated decision. And it's just got a picture of Rory Laird go, points go. <laughs> so that, that's exactly what I've been, I've been doing each week. And I'm coming for you, JB. Uh, he, he's getting a little bit nervous because he's uh, low on trades and low on actual premium players on field. He's d- taking a lot of shortcuts with like Oscar McInerney and stuff like that. So <laughs> I, I think he's getting a little stressed I don't that think the, he has... uh, the patented Chizo chase down is coming. I don't know if he has trades. I, I think he might be all out. Oh, that's even better. Well, I'm f- going to use my, my one trade in like round 23 just to like match up against him. <laughs> trade in the big O. Just yeah, trade in big O just to cancel out, cancel out his 70. <laughs> um, I scored 23-61. Um, and even though I was ranked in the mid-11,000s, I only went up a uh, 15 positions there, Pistol. So just as it was tightened in the mid-13,000s, it's tightened the 11,000s as well by, by the look of things. Um, and got eight out of nine league wins, except, shout to Phil Dev on Twitter, he invites me every year to the A-League. Was it A-grade? I can't remember it now. A-grade. I'm not invited, so I can't help you with this one. Uh, snuck into the top eight on percentage this year after winning it last year. We had a little back and forth on Twitter. He went 23-63. I went 23-61. Um, 
all because I played Cully over Hollands as my F6 when uh, Cornelio went out. So a little bit of luck going on his side there. The the better coach clearly didn't win. I just got unlucky. Well, uh, yeah, let's 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 call it that. Sure. Whatever, Back whatever me helps. Yep. Back <laughs> me up. Uh, we've also uh, got some donations to the Cancer Council Pistol, getting very, very close to 25000 raised for the CC. Uh, Sibs has donated $10 for my amazing pronunciation uh, of his surname last week. And Chariots of Fire, uh, complete loophole failure. This is an absolute failure pistol. So complete loophole failure. Put the VC on Miller for 153 Didn't put anyone on field to slap the C on as a loop. Got stuck with a Merit C instead. Got stuck with a 140. And so we've got a, a, a donation there. So appreciate that for everyone that's donated so much uh, through the season uh, already. And we've got some prize league to go through, Pistol. The first time this year we've actually been on time for the prize league. <laughs> it, and not just that. This is an absolutely bizarre prize league month. Uh, I'm going to go through the top three very quickly. Uh, the winner, now I'll start with number three. Number three, 9,853 points. Uh, Team Extreme DTS in third place for the month. Good scores by him all around. It's been tough to beat in our leagues. Second runner-up we have at 9,900 points in the month was DISC Sane Train uh, from Lockie. He has had okay. another ripper month, but they weren't even close to the number one coach of the month. The only player in the prize league to score more than 10,000 points across four weeks, um, quick maths, over 2,500 average per round, which is insane, is actually already won the prize league in April. It's the better Regan DRSC has won it twice. (laughs) But it gets weirder. It gets way weirder. I looked at his team and I was like going through and I'm like, wow, his team scored really, really well in the last month. Like this is fantastic. And then I looked at the previous month and the previous month, because I noticed the ranking was it's 9,000. I mean, it's, it's, it's fine. Um, and from the 120 people in the prize league, he won, came first. Then the next month he came 101st out of 120. Then came 100th out of 120. And then won again. <laughs> <laughs> so in the space of four months, he's gone from like a top 100 team to like outside 50k and then back into a top 100 scoring team (laughs) i don't know it's actually completely bizarre it's broken my mind i've never seen anything like that before but congratulations i mean a two-time winner is hard enough in the prize league and to pull it off with like you know not a team that's coming in the top you know 10 overall (laughs) it's just mind-boggling it's funny that he's won two cups and up until like last week he was behind me in the rankings that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, <laughs> uh, so, two-time cup winner in 2022 uh, there, Riley. You've got one for each hand there now, mate. You can have a, a tea and a coffee of a morning. And uh, we've got the random draw goes to Mick B, coach of Mick Spuds. Uh, so, if you both can get in contact with me on Slack, I'll start uh, chasing up some prizes for you guys. Now, Pistol. We've got to jump into some super coach, and it's the question we cover every week, and that's what to do with Paddy Cripps. What to do with Paddy Cripps? I mean, we keep him. It's the first was, week we don't have to talk about him. I was, yeah, I was like, wait, what's what's all the question? Paddy, you, you mean <laughs> Colton superstar Paddy Cripps, one hundred and forty-six points and one hundred and eighteen yep. points in the last two weeks? Yep. 
I mean, uh, we talked about it a little bit last week that we thought that uh, the pit returning might give him a little bit of help and Hewitt not being there might be a little bit helpful as well. I think we've got confirmed that Hewitt's out again yes. in, in round 21, so um, that should certainly help Paddy Cripps with his scoring as well. Um, I'm just glad to see that he's kind of returning some investment that we've had for the last three months and, and not had much return. I mean, not great fixtures, I guess. Brisbane, Melbourne, Collingwood. But at the same time, Collingwood have been leaky in the midfield. Melbourne last year were very leaky in the midfield. Um, Brisbane's a bit tough, but he, the form that he's in, I mean, you're not really yeah. stopping Cripps if, he, if he's in beast mode. And I'm hoping that he just finishes the year in beast mode. And yep. the owners that, I guess, I think the, peop- the only people that own him at the moment are those that didn't have enough trades to get rid of him. Um, yeah. So, look, I'm, I'm kind of just happy touch wood that he's you know makes it through the season in one piece don't do this you did this last year you would you would, you would like ma- was it last year or at the start of this year you would say you say something and then it was like a premonition it would come true someone would get injured and uh, no we're not we're, we're not we're pretending that didn't happen um and Pistol, what we're going to do is we're going to treat this a bit like a Q&A. We're going to go through some podcast questions from hashtag podcast questions in Slack. Um, and we'll go through a couple here. TJ says, have two trades remaining looking to trade crisp and short with the spare 80K. Is there a good defensive combination to sideways them to or should I just downgrade to a rookie and move crisp to Sicily? Pistol. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if Sicily's the number one choice. Like, I think I feel like Tom Stewart should be the yeah. number one choice, and like Dawson's really good, and Sinclair's really good, and Sicily's also really good. But like, it's, I, I think I'd go Tom Stewart number one there. Um, I would don't think I would take Himmelberg over any of those four if that's what some people I know were looking at doing at least last week. Um, the problem with the cheaper players is people like may who are like really good value before and now not super great value so there's no you know super cheap commodity that i think can like outscore a lot of the big players i think things that people sometimes miss is if they have harry himmelberg in the forward line um being able to like flick him back and then trade crisp or short to a forward instead um might be better than like sideways trading to a defender that's like 460k um yeah, I think yeah. There's there's some forwards that are like okay. I wouldn't say they're amazing either. But um, Jeremy Cameron can have hot spells at like four seventy. If you can get Royal Marshall at four eighty, I think that's just like the obvious selection out of those selections. And I hate to say it, um, Butters is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me ban you from bringing his name up as well. I won't, hey, I won't mention that ever again. I promise. So we've talked about Stuart and, and like how obvious those are. I, I want to assume that he's saying crisp to Sicily because he can't afford anyone else. So let's say that um, Sicily and below are on the table to trade uh, either crisp or short. Um, you've talked about the forwards and stuff like that. Are you legitimately taking any of these forwards ahead of Sicily? Not ahead of Sicily, but it's just the combination of money because he wants to trade both players. So I'm yeah. assuming if you're trading both, one of them has to be cheaper. So it'd be like yeah. a Sicily and then someone like significantly cheaper. Um, well, well, he said he said Crisp and Short, um, or should I downgrade a rookie and then move Crisp to Sicily? Yeah. So so, so he's, he's contemplating he's contemplating doing, doing a rookie. Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd okay. probably be doing that. I don't think there's any um, defender that's cheap that. 
sparks my interest particularly. Yeah, I think so. You got Sicily, all, Dawson, yeah. Dale, um, Assad, Brayshaw. None, none of these guys. Doherty jumping they're, they're out. They're still at you, too you, expensive. You'd be happy with the price, but he's looking at cheap, cheap. Like like Docker Nick Blakey cheap. I guess Ridley's kind of cheap as well. Um, but yeah, I just wouldn't. I wouldn't go there. Let's put it that way. Okay, so Pistol liking the idea. Um, we'll jump into the next question. Donk, as above, but firstly, is this the, the week to use up those two trades? If so, can you rank the defensive options for trading in? I'm looking at Sinclair. However, his run home isn't fantastic. Redmond is tempting, but that 49 is putting me off. Already have Sicily, Doherty, Stewart, and Dawson. So Donk is basically saying, Pistol, we're close enough to the end of the season. Should we burn those two trades if we have them? Do we hold one? Do we just use one of those trades this week and if we are what are we kind of chasing in terms of the player i think you've already mentioned that stewart's your number one um, but maybe say the top three or four that you like the look of yeah so i think i i don't mind using two trades now there's only three weeks left and you know if you've got a fully named team yeah technically two weeks left you know i mean you might might cop an injury but um i think this is fine time to blow through your last trades as long as you have some semblance of cover. If you literally have zero cover, I probably wouldn't. Um, I want to put a little like asterisk next to Crisp with Adams out of the side. I think it's very possible that that Crisp gets a better role. His role has been terrible in the last couple of weeks. He's been playing off, mm. you know, partially off the half forward flank, and that's why he's been scoring really badly. And then and then playing deep in the back line um, with, I guess. As some sort of midfield split where he's basically been non-existent. So Adams out might increase his midfield time. So I, I kind of feel like I want to hold Chris because at his price, I don't think there's many people that can really outscore him at 440k. I mean, you could go down to like a Zorko, but I don't think you know he's equally as likely to put out a terrible score as, as Crisp is. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably put a little bit of an asterisk there. I, I was all willing to come into this podcast and be like, trade Crisp out, he's terrible, he's got a terrible role. But now things have like, <laughs> slightly changed, although I do think, you know, Dugowie just slots in and Carmichael slots in and Crisp's role does remain terrible. But I feel like I have to hold, give it another week on that hold. Um, if I'm doing a double trade, I probably, yeah, I probably am doing, a, I guess, a rookie down to free up some cash and, you know, let's say a short up. And the players that I'm targeting would be um, Stewart, number one. I think Dawson is just really good. Um, He's got West Coast this week, which I think is a fantastic fixture. Um, Mm. And then going into North Melbourne next week, another really good fixture. And then, you know, Port Adelaide. Um, I think all of those are solid enough where he could average, you know, 110 plus or 120 plus, which is fantastic for a defender. I think Redmond is a little bit more risky, um, but yeah. he's also a really unique pick. And if you're playing for league as well, you might want to, you know, take a gamble on that. I wouldn't be super worried about a 49 because he only played half after getting a, a knock against Collingwood. So he's also been a really good option as of late. And then, yeah, Sinclair's just been super consistent. He just runs around the field getting little kicks and progressing the ball forward. Uh, I think he, even with a, I guess, hard fixtures coming up, um, he probably has a capped ceiling compared to the other two. Um, I I don't think he's going to be putting out those 
140 pluses. I think he's just very likely putting out like 105, 110s for all three games. Yeah. So yeah. GMHBA against Geelong doesn't bode super no. well for him this week, but he does have that role where he just kind of is mostly unaccountable and just goes from kind of point to point of the center square, just collecting the pill. Yeah, like, it's perfect. Um, it's it's an incre- incredible role in terms of, of super coach, and he just gets used so frequently. Yeah, oh, it's it's absolutely perfect. Um, but so there's there's a lot of good options um, there. I, I do think Redmond's good if that's specifically what Donk was asking. Um, you know, talking about Sinclair and Redmond, I'd probably pick Redmond over Sinclair in the final three just to try and catch up a high ceiling. Yeah, and we've talked about purple patch players in in the last weeks, and it's really clear that he's in one of those. And Essendon's form sort of turning a little bit. They're up against GWS this week. Um, I, I can see taking a flyer on him with a, one of those final trades. It's not likely that the role he's playing, he's going to suddenly drop out a couple um, uninjured 49s. So uh, that's important to know. <laughs> uh, next question, Pistol, is from Warney. Midfielder to score the most points over the last three rounds. Laird. Um, <laughs> yeah, I want to say Laird and Took are going to be... Uh, Took, sorry, are going to be neck and neck. Um and that's really a coin toss between those two. I think they're going to be great. I mean, after it's that, crazy, I like right? Merritt. Like yeah. how good how good both their months have been. Like like uh, Tuke's got a one forty one five round average, and Led's got yeah. a one thirty nine five round average. That's yeah. incredible. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's they're, they're far and away number one and two. I do want to just point out who's who do you think scored the most amount of points this season, Chizo? Uh, Without looking. Uh, Laird? Laird? Uh, no, because he missed round one. Oh, so okay. Not Laird. Um, Maybe Neil? Yeah. It's Neil by 60 points over Took. Oh, wow. Yeah. Took is number two. There you go. I think it's pretty, that's pretty um, surpring because I think he, he was started a bit slower than we had anticipated, but he's really yeah, come Yeah, a lot home. of 110s. He's come home really, really strong. I think... At the beginning of the year, I was saying he's going to be the highest. He's going to have the, the highest scoring player in the game, and he legitimately might be. So that may yep. have been a good call. We'll, we'll wait the next couple of weeks to find out how that one goes. Um, but I think I, those two I, are easy one and two for the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I said, let's go through a couple more. I said that um, Merritt would score very, very high towards the end of the year. He was the third name off the rank. Just because Neil's sort of slowing down a little bit, Oliver's still coming back from that hand. It is clearly hampered. Um, Petrarca seems to be inconsistent. McRae's not having that great of a year. Cripps, we don't really know what he's got to do with. Like, uh, I feel comfortable throwing Merritt up into that mix as well. I think Parrish back might impact him. Um, true, but true. You might want to look at someone with a really good draw in Callum Mills, but he's just getting thrown kind of on the wing and you know, everywhere. everywhere, which is not super appealing. But North Melbourne this week into Collingwood, both great fixtures for a midfielder, and then Saints to finish off. So he he definitely could be up there, but I don't think it's all these players are in different categories at the moment than than Laird and Took. Uh, my boy Sibs, he says. In addition to the questions above, I have short and crisp with two trades remaining. They're both in the gun, but I want to know who to pull the trigger on first. <laughs> I would have said uh, crisp, but now I'm going to say short. I'm going to say. Use a psychology trick. Use a coin and flip it, and then whoever, like, say, heads for short, for example. And then if you still have reservations after the coin magic has told you what to do, it's your subconscious telling you that you want the other guy out of your side. 
But if you feel comfortable with the coin toss, then your subconscious is telling to get rid of him. Honestly, even if Crisp does play in the midfield, I'm not sure how well he can score. Like, uh, I'd, I'd be tempted just to trade him anyway. To be completely Remember honest. when we come into this season at the start of this year, we're like, oh, sure, it's going to go 105. Crisp has the upside of 110. Oh, he's going to be great. And then their roles changed about two weeks into the season and have <laughs> just, just cooked us all year. <laughs> oh, it's, for- it's unfortunate that Crisp, yeah, post-buy or just before the buy, it's averaged like 70-something and short from the same time as average like 80. It's just a shocker. Yeah. Uh, H has got, uh, along the same theme, he's getting rid of Crisp. He's got some cash in the bank. He wants you to rate these four players, Pistol. Sicily, Dawson, Redman, and Hall. And for me personally, that's already in order. <laughs> I'm, I'm only laughing because um, Hall, come on. Come on. Nah. Now nah. there's three weeks left. He's gonna I cannot advocate to- that player. Ever again? We could really talk about Hall on the podcast again. I think I think it's done now. Like no more. All right, um, I I would be. I think Dawson because the fixtures are really good. It's Dawson, Sicily, Redmond, and that's all I'm going to say. Just those three. Okay, that that's all you're going to say. <laughs> yeah, you got me pretty good there. Hey, all right, Lisa. 81k in the bank. Uh, can afford Hewitt to Stewart, Done. but does Angus Brayshaw have more upside? Better run home, no. now playing in the mids. Should add to playing for league, an opponent this week has Stewart. Um, that, both of those things. Stewart is better than Brayshaw, and if your opponent has Stewart, that's someone I would try and cover off. I wouldn't want to pick someone else to verse Stewart as a head-to-head in my side, so that seems like an easy cover-off. Absolutely, that's that's stopping your opponent from potentially getting a one seventy score against you. Um, yeah, I mean, Stewart unique. could be a captaincy option this week. He's playing at home against Saints. Like that's that's All solid. Right. I think um, we'll find we'll find that out when we go through VCs later yeah, on. Yeah, look, honestly, um, I would. There's there's no one better than Tom Stewart. Just just get Tom Stewart. Even All right. outside of Laird and and um, what's his face. Took almost looking at Tom Stewart as the That's next. That's disrespectful. Next the guy you just that. talked up as could have been the highest point scorer in the league. You called what's his face? Yeah, I, I'm disappointed. I did forget. I apologize. <laughs> the dirty snitches. Now that I'm out of trades, what do I do to keep that buzz going on a weekly basis? And Butler has chimed in. Cancer Council donations in hashtag Game Day uh, because Snitches has a, uh, a habit of going a little early in Game Day and ending up donating when the team gets run over. Um, I think you should take up Frisbee Golf. Frisbee Golf? Yeah. Have you seen Ultimate Frisbee? You know what? They should make Ultimate Frisbee Golf. Just combine the two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the hole is someone that's got to go try and catch it. Yeah. Uh, Harry, the Chooks. One of the lucky ones that has Dacos D7. A couple of lower scores. Should I look at sidewaysing him and push Crisp to D7? Pistol. So you can't push... You can't Wait, what? Why is, why is Dacos D7 anyway? Why have you not already got Crisp yeah, D7? Yeah, that, that's a great point. That is a great point. I think Crisp to trade to somebody, that's great too. Um, and you might want to be keeping Dacos over Crisp. But if you want to trade Crisp and, and push... Like, if you can do Crisp to Stewart, just do that. Yeah. I mean, or, I mean, or well, even Dacos to Stewart. Well, do that too. I th- yeah, I think the day, uh, the day cost to one of those big premium dogs while he's expensive is what they're thinking. 
Yeah, yeah, I was uh, an advocate of that move last week when they were equal price. Um, I would still pull it now. Yeah, okay. Warney back again. Is Himmelberg a good option to sideways while he still has value? Do we think he stays playing in the defense this week? I think Warney's suggesting that we need to get rid of Himmelberg there, Pistol. I have looked at the teams, as you would hope I would before I podcasted, and with Riccardi in as well as Briggs in for GWS, I would be shocked if Himmelberg played forward, which I'm expecting to be shocked because who knows what Spike's doing, but I... I strongly believe Himmelberg will be playing down back this week, uh, hopefully for the entire game as well. So it's a, it's a strong, strong hold there for me. Can, can I ask you a question? Please. As, as someone that watched the way that um, Lockie Whitfield walked at, at quarter time, you, you, <laughs> you really watched GWS closely. I, I want to know, have you noticed any difference in the way that GWS has been run other than Cog's got a bit more midfield time. <laughs> well, Himmelberg I, back. I, I, I haven't noticed a whole lot of difference in the way they play or the way they operate their team in terms of, like, every week it's like we have options, this guy could play or he could not play or he might be in emergency. It's just like, it's almost like nothing different has happened with GWS except a couple Supercoach relevant players uh, have been played in the right positions. Well, I mean, one of the biggest things was... Um, Perryman moving into the midfield who's now back and getting significant midfield time but I will say like I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of Spike's dealings of I guess Himmelberg and how that came out to the media like there was I don't know if this is a hot take or not but when he was getting applause for moving Himmelberg back and like oh my god Himmelberg's this amazing defender um there was like an article that went around at the time and it was Leon Cameron basically texting Spike and saying like, oh, like how long have you been holding that one out on me? Like wink face, like haha, you know, in a joke. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Not in a serious way. But when I think about it, like Spike was an assistant coach and he coached mm. Himmelberg and knew that he could play as a defender and then just didn't tell Leon Cameron. Is that what yeah, happened? That's weird. Like, is, uh, is that not strange? Like, that's withholding valuable information that could have been useful to GWS throughout the last couple of years or whatever, however long um, he's been working as assistant coach, and he just didn't tell Leon Cameron? 
<laughs> like it just it, oh. it just rubbed me the wrong way. I, 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 obviously, you don't know what goes on behind cl- closed doors, so it's likely not as simple as that. I just thought it was really strange, and then when I heard that, mm. I was like, that, that, that seems a bit weird to me. So, yeah, outside of that move, which I think Himmelberg should be playing as a defender, um, not much has changed at all. I, this has not been an improvement from GWS. Yeah, uh, I'm just uh, this. I learned something about you every week about you, Pistol. I didn't realize you were a conspiracy theorist, so uh, <laughs> that's super good to know. Uh, Warney, I hope that answers your question. Uh, I think we can be we can rest assured that Himmelberg will still be getting some back time. Um, Lisa, with our last question, uh, it's in relation to. I think she really does want to get Brayshaw. She wants to know if Harm's return affects him. Oh, I don't think a whole lot. I think is um, going to be playing a similar role and, and scoring as he has for the, the majority of the season, Pistol. Oh, no, that I think has... it's, it's a question. I don't think... I think it's worth asking, but Petrarca was the one that moved out of the midfield to accommodate um, Brayshaw, really. Mm. Um, you know, Harms's midfield time was kind of tailing off in the previous game before that. Um, he, I, I do think Harms will get like 20 percent which so there might be a minor impact on Brayshaw so some impact yes um but it was more Petrarca playing that Dusty Martin role he it was his lowest CBAs for the whole season Petrarca had 57 percent um outside of one other game his lowest has only been in like the 70s so he really had a role shift to accommodate Brayshaw entering that midfield but even so Brayshaw as a midfielder is not going to average 120 that literally Stuart was averaging after last week so yeah, I, yeah, I'd be going steward every day of the week. Uh, Harms is only likely to be an emergency. He's emergency now. He's only a, a sub candidate this this week anyway. Ah, so there we go. Uh, that that also impacts it. So that does wrap up the questions, Pistol. The next sort of topping I do want to get into is a little bit um, towards the end of the year. We do like to come up with a little thought provoking. Um, topic to talk about and it's one of the things that ties in with our article this week in terms of missed opportunities and biggest regrets um, in the way that we played the game pistol I'm going to kick things off and it's something that I've touched about before my biggest regret um, is just being no good at super coach and I wish I could have <laughs> I could have learned some few tips um, I think I think the biggest regret for me was playing far too passive to begin with last season I benefited from the cheese chase down towards the end of the year because I I played patiently. I allocated the trades at the right period of time and I let everyone kind of go crazy at the beginning, chasing after Tex Walker and all these kinds of things. Um, I think that was last year. Geez, all these years are are tying together. Um, And this year wasn't really conducive to that with the extra trades, the trade boosts that allow you to kind of expedite that upgrade season. And, And those types of players that have... The AFL fantasy background would have benefited greatly from it, and those that are classic super coach players uh, may have been a little confused in the best way to move forward. So I think that hampered my game play the most, and it is a contributing factor to why I played so poorly this year. Um, do you have a, a big regret that that you wish you could have done differently this year? Yeah, oh, there was. I think. I mean, there's a lot of regrets, but if I want to pinpoint some specific ones. I think I used the boosts really well when I did, but the problem was I chose the wrong option to bring in. So I brought in like Tom Green at 502K in round four because I wanted an extra premium premium on the competition. Sicily was, you know, Sicily got to what, 505K, the same price as Green. And, you know, I chose Green over Sicily. 
that that that's a specifically ouchy example um but then there was a few weeks later as well where i was targeting some other players when like darcy cameron was available um even i remember like eyeing gresham off before he you know i think gresham got to like 470k and i was looking at him Mm. in that same time frame i just i used my boosts timing wise well but i just picked the wrong players um right at the very beginning of the season i think it started to get a bit better um you know picking off like Dawson and Sinclair at 520 and 530k like that did well with that boost but um yeah some of that those early seasons uh cheaper players I didn't cotton on very quickly too and I I think I liked them I like to think I made up for it by grabbing Himmelberg at his lowest and kind of um being more willing to be aggressive with these extra trades and figuring out I just think I adapted a bit too too late or just chose the wrong ones it's actually pretty funny that tom green did poorly cheese because like nearly every cheap premium did well for like the whole season yeah. and i chose ones that didn't um you know it is what it is stay away from gws but if you want more like specific players there's there's players um that i was never going to select like redmond um yeah you know hearn i considered actually um and who hearn's been basically banging out the tons um since like round 11 or 12 or something like that he's he's been in phenomenal form but it's you you see these his age and you just say like no so i don't think a lot of them are like completely realistic regrets whereas Mm. players like cameron and sicily and laird even um everyone got laird when i got gone so that was fun for me um oh and, and wits buying buying gorn and wits at 600k yeah good times <laughs> yeah it's a, i think i got wits at 630 or something like that and now he's 492 so um I, I think every year we do make some some poor decisions in terms of trades i don't think my my trading strategy this year has been terrible my starting squad was clearly my biggest Achilles heel this year and even and then you you throw in that passive nature that I was just hoping things would come good and and the slow play would would kind of work back into my favor. I just had too many players that weren't that just were bad picks. Straight up they were they were they weren't good selections going into the season. Um and a lot of the projections that I made, like I, I did make a few good calls this year in terms of what I thought players were going to do um, and become selectable. Uh, I remember talking to Doc in the start of the year who started Tim English and I'm thinking, you know, like I kind of confirmation biased myself out of like why did we need him? You know, we've got Grundy and Gorn. Um, English is not going to be one of those... Uh, top forwards he's got Steph Martin there that's keeping his score low and Doc was just like no I could I, you know he just had a feeling about it and this is the year that Steph Martin wasn't going to interrupt and, and stuff like that and and I rather than kind of kind of seeing the argument from both sides and 
being open to someone like Tim English to even start the year, I was just like, no, he's not going to be relevant for 12 months and didn't really look into it. So I think there's definitely the same thing goes for Sinclair. Like I, I, I thought Sinclair was going to drop off and I picked Dawson um, when I was choosing between those two around the buy periods. It turns out that when I finished off my defense line, I picked up Sinclair at a higher price at above 600K. So wow. I, I, I ended up picking him up anyway. So there's been a few times where my gut and my judgment we're just wrong. Um, and I just had to su- suck it up. I, I think one of the things I am proud of doing this year is that when I've made a mistake and I have regrets, I don't let them metastasize and spread throughout the rest of my team and being too proud to admit when I've made a mistake. Um, and that's like getting English in, getting Sinclair in, even though I've passed on him. And another one would be getting rid of Canelio when his form dropped, only to see his role change and immediately getting back in two weeks later. You know, <laughs> so uh, I, it, it sucks to have to admit that in my position as a, a so-called expert, a super coach, that I could be in that. But I've also recognized when I make a mistake and try not to let that that bias and that kind of strong-headedness impact future decisions. That, that's probably one regret that kind of flips into a positive if I have to try and look at the upside of some of the things I did wrong this year. Yeah, I'm I'm just looking at some of my timings of my trades as well. Like I, I panic bought Gorn. I mean, I, I bought him the week before a lot of people panic bought because I, I bought him in for the, his 170-odd score for Hawthorne. So it wasn't like a true panic, but then he got injured like two weeks later um, mm. after I'd already traded him out after you know, round two or whatever it was. So I, I, there was a reason I traded him out um, and I could have got Darcy Cameron instead, which we all know how that would have turned out and, and not, you know, saved an extra 300K to use for, you know, my upgrade. So there was these some big decisions that um, went the wrong way. It's funny that you mentioned Tim English though because Steph Martin was a late out in that first week and that Steph Martin was a reason why many of us were strongly against Tim English and then Stephen Martin's mm. only played three games for the whole season so yeah. it just just ended up not being a factor at all it's kind of frustrating that the doggies played those games going into round one because if you saw English soul ruck um, I think you I mean I think most people would have been much more open to it going into round one if that was what was on the team sheet mm. um, I, I think looking back to the start of the year um I was definitely wrong on the starting squads. I was also a little bit potentially dismissive of um, some of these rookies. Like I didn't think all of these 102K guys like Nick Martin and Jack Hayes um, were all going to get game time. I, I just I didn't see that as being a, a legitimate possibility. And that's led to um, completely missing out on Jack Hayes just playing it slow to start the year, thinking that, oh, Paddy Ryder's going to be back in round two. He's not going to keep playing. Um, and he's become one of the best cash cows of the year. And that's had a flow-on effect in being able to upgrade my side because the players that I had in uh, in the same position instead of Jack Hayes are like um, Kane Baldwin from the the Dons that I ended get ended up getting rid of without making a dime off him. So um, that that's also probably something that... Um, I could have just quite easily chased break evens rather than saying, "Oh, he's only going to go up in price once, maybe, maybe twice, maybe make a hundred k out of him," and then you're stuck with a donut. Um, with so many people piling onto him and actually watching the games and seeing that he was playing legitimately well, 
that's that's a really easy hindsight decision to be like, yeah, that I I just made a mistake, and and that's something I probably regret because it really stunted the growth that I could have had to start the year. I think uh, for memory, you missed out on um, what was it the the Fremantle rookie down back. Um, what was it? Oh, something. Actually, O'Driscoll. Oh, O'Driscoll. Yes. as well. And he was a quick cash yep. cow. And then you missed yep. out on Pruce. And he was a quick 250K as well. So the, the cash gen for you was stunted. But I will say, Chizo, you were heavily against McGovern and Raul in the preseason and ended up yep. getting them. Um, but you were, you, were, you were hell-bent on not selecting them in the preseason. So you might still need to back your gut a little bit yeah, more yeah. than you're, you're giving yourself credit for there. Look, a, a broken a clock is uh, <laughs> right twice a day or whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> if I throw enough stuff at a wall, I'm going to have the right decision. But I think in, in retrospect, in, in terms of that Proust decision, I genuinely remember having this argument with JB and was like, Proust is not going to play like I, I I made this this joke like I I will like donate to the cancer council if he plays six games in the next ten weeks and I was actually correct he didn't play like for various reasons he didn't actually meet that cap but you're right his scoring power was so high that even picking Sam Hayes ahead of him which were the two that I was I was choosing between um, they made approximately the same amount of cash and Hayes made only like five points less than him. Um, in that period of time, but I think for one of those weeks I had Hayes on the bench, so it absolutely was the right decision to have gone Proust in terms of getting the points on field and still generating the same cash. Um, but it's not. It's but then he screwed face value. It's, <laughs> yeah, at face value, it's not quite as bad. And I think the one thing that I championed, if if I can, was everyone that was holding on to Proust after he'd missed fourteen weeks and had four limbs. You know, amputated, but like, oh, he's going to come back and be a premium for me. And I was like, just trade him, yeah, get rid of me. him. And <laughs> people holding. were just like, was just, no, 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 he's going to be good. 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 And it's just like, yeah, that, that's one of those situations where you can let. It's almost like um, a sunken cost theory, I think, uh, bias, whatever that is, pistol, where people were just like, I've invested this much time and energy in trades and waited for the last three weeks for him to play. I'm not going to get rid of him now. And that's that's something that can just flow on week after week after week after week if you're not ready to go, no, nope, I'm wrong about this, get rid of him. He he the combination of rucks this season <laughs> Yeah derailed. It's it's actually funny because you have thirty five trades and you're like, This is a lot and I've traded I wouldn't say this is my best being my best year of my trades. Um no. but I've still ended up with Taranto as, you know, my bench cover. Um, which mm. is better than pretty much any other season, really. So in a s- season where you trade really well, I'm just imagining what your team could look like. Like, it, am I, mm. do I have Taranto on the bench with a completed team and like seven trades left? Like, is that what could happen when you start the year with 35 trades? Like, I, and, and yeah. the DPP's on? Um, it's definitely something interesting to think about going into the next season. Um, and we'll, we'll definitely have a, a, a post-season discussion on, I guess, our, thought, our thoughts in hindsight on if we thought the rule changes were good, bad, and how it impacted the game and what mm. we'd like to see, I guess, moving forward. Yeah. Can I just throw you under the bus briefly and give you a question that you don't want to answer? Always. Um, what do you think is going to come of the ruck line in 2023? Because 
this has been such a changing of the guard this year that we don't really have that Ruckman averaging 120 that's clearly above the pack and playing every game every week. It, you know, we've got half a dozen, if not more, rucks that are between 100 and 110, and not uh, pretty much all of them have missed at least one game this year. Going into 2022, I see no. I need you to be like Moses and part the Red Sea and like that. This is your ruck line because otherwise, you know, I'm just going to walk into the water and drown picking my <laughs> ruck line next year. So I think uh, Jackson's going to go. So Gorn will be like the selectable. I'll probably start going and Grundy again, <laughs> to be honest. But um, <laughs> Grundy, under price, starting. Yeah, look, Gorn, I think if, if Jackson goes, is going to be a, a, a highly owned player. Um, yeah. To be honest, I'd like to see just one ruck in Supercoach as on, on field. Like, I understand we've got this team of, you know, I guess we can throw this in the basket of suggestions for next season. Um, the team is loosely, uh, it's loosely based on real life where you have your six defenders and you have your six forwards and you have your eight midfielders approximately because you've, you've got, you know, your bench players and two rucks. The problem is in like real life now, you don't really have two rucks, like two rucks playing anymore for your team. Some yeah. teams like Port Adelaide have zero rucks. <laughs> you know, like it's the game's changed, but Supercoach layout and selection hasn't kind of adapted to that as well. I think if you have yeah. more trades, your team value is going to be more than previous seasons. We probably can afford to have, you know, that utility spot or, you know, if you want to call it an extra midfield spot instead of a ruck spot. Um, on field as well. I don't know. Some some food for thought there, Chiso. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. That'll go into our wrap-up for the end of the year. I'm, I'm going to have some questions for that. Pistol, let's wrap up the podcast. Podcast. Captains. Podcast going through some captaincy options. You're absolutely you do not want right. my advice again for the eighth week in a row. No, no, no. We do because <sighs> anything you say, we do the opposite. Oh, God. So I'm going to kick things off, um, Pistol, and... I'm going to say that I would be a little hesitant to chuck the VC on Oliver. I think it's an easy, um, you know, free hit to see if he's back because before the thumb injury, he was so incredible. Um, But if you have the likes of Took Miller, Took Miller and Rory Laird, I think it's really easy. Saturday VC into Took against the Hawks at uh, Utah Stadium to Laird, who plays late on Sunday against the West Coast Eagles um, at Optus. I think they're probably two of the best matchups this week and two of the highest scoring players over the course of the year. I think that's really, really straightforward. Look... If you have Laird, just do Laird. I think that that's we're at that stage now where it's just like an automatic selection. Yeah. Uh, for us, non-Laird owners is a little bit tricky. Um, I've watched Collingwood play a lot, and I think we, we're going to concede big numbers to the midfield. So my VC is on Oliver, and he might not be fully fit, so that might not be wise. Again, not nailed captain, so probably not going to do well, but that's where my VC is going to lie. Um, I have some slight concerns about Miller in Tasmania and Hawthorne perhaps they, they do have some run with players that they might use whether it be yeah. Nash or um, in recent weeks I think they've used McGuinness as well who's like similar body size to Took so it might be some sort of attention uh, enough that I'm probably less interested Zeret has been in great form but I'm kind of scared by Parrish so I'm not sure I would go mm. there um, ironically I did mention previously Tom Stewart against Saints, I think, is a really good matchup. 
Um, I also, I mean, with all, with Briggs and Ricardi back, Himmelberg might be a good VC against Essendon. Yeah. Essendon's forward Essendon, 50 entry is terrible. Yes. Yes. Yep. I agree. So really, if you want that POD for your cash league or whatever it is as a VC, Himmelberg, I think, could be the guy, um, which is definitely mm. outside the box. But otherwise, I'm, I'm looking at Neil as my captain. Neil at the Gabba, outside of the one week I captained him where he scored 83, um, has been really, really good. And Carlton, without Hewitt, they they looked not good in the midfield. I mean, Walsh got like 40 touches and Chris Cripps got 41 touches and they still seem to not look dominant out of that midfield. Um, I think Brisbane can... Definitely get on top of them in that midfield battle, and Neil yeah. seems like he'd be a really good option. So, I'm um, I'm going there. I think you could probably do the whole bulldog shuffle with Bonds and Pelly or McRae or whoever you want. That one of them will go big as usual. But um, personally, I'm I'm believing that uh, in in favour of, of Neil. Yeah, um, I, I certainly agree. Do, do Do you think that there's any chance that because the midfield mix at Carlton has been kind of tossed up a little bit. They don't have Hewitt. Their midfield's a little bit underpowered and they might put a little bit of work into Neil, who has been a little slow of late. Maybe. Um, I'm not sure exactly who they would use to do that. I think they lost Matt Kennedy as well. Um, so their midfield has really got some spots available. I don't know if... They want to try and tag, and like I, I think they might potentially. They, they, I mean, maybe use like a Cottrell or a Setterfield or someone that can take Neil. But I, I just don't really see it happening. I, I don't think they have yeah. anyone that can actually stop him. Um, and the midfield's yeah. just severely weakened now w- without Hewitt and without Kennedy. I think they're, yeah, they're gonna seriously get beaten in that midfield. Yeah, yeah, and. and- um, Neil's the like the poster child for someone that averages one forty to start the year, and then the second half of the year averages one twenty right, and one fifteen and stuff it's like that. Crazy, right? Yeah, and how consistently he has an opening month or six weeks that's just beyond incredible, and then just becomes an average scoring midfielder by the end of the well, year. Well, still, it's, still good midfielder, but yeah, not like uh, yeah. exceptional. Kind of like the reverse Zeret. Yeah, exactly. The reverse Zeret. So you can diversify your midfield by getting both of them in, is what you're saying. <laughs> no, just saying, start with Neil because and upgrade to, to Zeret throughout the season. They've got a negative correlation of R1. <laughs> it's negative one. That's it's, their R-squared correlation coefficient. Yeah, it's, uh, well, it's, there's, there's something to be said between causation and correlation there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it. I, I'll throw one more option at you. VCing Jack Crisp. So you'd... Like if you've got like see this is what I'm I worried don't know about. where you're going with this so you're gonna I'm have worried. to explain. Okay, I'm worried about VCing Miller at Utah's Stadium in Launceston, which is not a massive ground, and that he likes to burst away from his opponent and outrun them. That he might not have as much space to do so, and he won't be as free to get those kick mark combos. And he scores 121, and I'm like, look, I'm learning from my mistakes, and I'm just going to take a 120. Yep only to have to turn down a 200 from Laird against West Coast. Should I just VC Jack Crisp, end up with a 60 and be like, well, I guess I better put the C on, on Laird or do I get sucked into a 120? I wouldn't 
do that? <laughs> I think if you're going, I'm not... if you want to shoot for the the stars, I think, uh, yeah. I mean, you, if you have Himmelberg, even Bottompelli doesn't really. He puts up like one sixties <laughs> or like a hundred yeah, flat. He, yeah, hundred flat or one seventy. So, that's that's not a bad idea. I so like Bonson that. Pelly might be the guy for you there. I mean, to so be I'm... fair, so Tim English is similar <laughs> in terms of yeah. his score. His scoring's like been terrible as of late, but you know, early season he was putting up those one fifties. Yeah. So could, okay, there's there's things around. I'd probably target the bulldog because the bulldog's always like terrible, amazing, terrible, amazing every week. So at Marvel too, I like it. I'm gonna try that actually. <laughs> what, what have you got still... to lose? Uh, just rank, basically, well, and leagues. Okay, fair enough. You might not want to <laughs> Hey, mate, thank you so much for sitting down with me. Like, I know it's getting to the end of the year, but I still really enjoy sitting down and talking Supercoach and having a laugh. Thank you to everyone that has listened along during the year. Please keep following on and sending in those comments to hashtag podcast questions because it's going to be a common theme to end the season without Thursday night games. Good luck this week. Only a couple of weeks to go. We'll talk to you all in the next episode. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.